Trust by Osho. Introduction. Have you seen any of those documentaries on the origins of planet Earth from about four and a half thousand million years ago? It is a simply astounding story of an initial fireball subjected to a huge planetary collision, then meteorite bombardments, the arrival of literally oceans of water, the origin of primitive living organisms, climatic disruptions from snowball earth to volcanic chaos, the oxygenation of the planet, and finally, after about 4,000 million years, the first creepy crawlies appear in the oceans. After which it took another 500 million years of trial and error to manage to give you the opportunity to read this book on trust. Yes, it took a while to bring you and this book together, which is simply a reflection of the extraordinarily intricate process involved as a tapestry of zillions of life forms evolve into one organic whole where you can feel at home. Food, water, air, energy, and valuable materials are all around us. You have been invited to watch what may be the most amazing play in the whole universe called life surrounded by abundance. So what's the problem? Why is trust even an issue? As Osho puts it, why can't you trust? The whole existence trusts. Trees never go neurotic. Birds and animals never go psychotic. So what's going on? We are the most blessed of creatures who react to this amazing gift of existence by wasting vast amounts of energy, attacking ourselves, each other, and this beautiful planet in a way no other life form does. Here's the missing bit of the puzzle. <clears throat> First, it took a few hundred million years for single-cell life forms to appear, and then another five billion years of biological evolution before the animals and the trees appeared. Up to this point, all life was pre-programmed how to live. Then a mere few hundred thousand years ago, we arrived. As Osho explains, prior to the arrival of our species, no other animal has been given the gift of being free. Every animal is given an already fixed program. All animals are programmed except men. A dog is bound to be a dog, and forever a dog. Nothing else is possible. There is no freedom. He is programmed. Everything is built in. The blueprint is there. 
He will simply follow the blueprint. He will be a dog. There is no choice for him. No alternatives are available. He is an absolutely fixed entity. With man, everything changes. The immense gift of existence is freedom. You are left unprogrammed. You don't carry a blueprint. You have you have to create yourself. You have to be self creative. So it all depends on you. You can become a Buddha, a Buddhist, or、uh, you can become a Buddha, a Bahaudian, or you can become an Adolf Hitler, a Bentio Mussolini. You can become a murderer or a meditator. You can allow yourself to become a beautiful flowering of consciousness, or you can become a robot. But remember, you are responsible, <clears throat> and only you, and nobody else. This understanding provides a unique picture of our place in the story of life. Biological evolution has brought us only so far, to a point where it is now up to us to fulfill our potential as human beings and to create a world fit to live in. Unlike all evolutionary processes in the past, this next step is in our the, this next step is in our hands. It seems we humans are faced with a critical moment. We either change ourselves, or we can expect the current madness in the world to continue. Osho describes our dilemma so clearly: man is always in crisis. Man is crisis, constant. It is not accidental. It is essential. Man's very being consists of crisis, hence the anxiety, the tension, the anguish. Man is the only animal who grows, who moves, who becomes. Man is the only animal who is not born complete, who is not born closed, who is not born like a thing, who is born like a process. Man is open. His being consists in becoming. That is the crisis. The more he becomes, the more he is. Osho continues to help us unravel the underlying basis of this crisis. The unconsciousness pulls you back toward the animal world. Its pull, its pull is downward. Backward, and the consciousness is trying to pull you upward, so you become more conscious, because consciousness has given you many things. Yes, it has given you anxiety, tension, anguish, but it has also given you music, painting, poetry, and it has given you a dignity that no animal has. The dignity. The dignity of being conscious. Of course, once you see what is happening in this light, it makes total sense. If freedom is the highest potential of existence, 
then it cannot be just given to us like our arms and our legs. Anything given can be taken away and could never be the basis of true freedom. Either we live robotically, unconsciously, destroying ourselves, our neighbors, and the world around us, or we bite the bullet and accept the simple realization that either we change or everything will continue the same. It is up to us. And what is the way out of this crisis? Osho again is clear. You have to bring some new element into the world of biology. And that I call meditation. Array of meditation. Array of watchfulness. That does not belong to biology at all. Because animals are not aware. Trees are not aware. They live in 100% unconsciousness. Naturally, the question arises. <clears throat> what is the connection between meditation and trust? Osho explains this precisely. Without meditation, you will not able to find trust in yourself. And the day of finding the trust in yourself is the greatest day in your eternal life. It changes all the vision, all perception, or judgment about existence and about other people. The trust goes on growing and spreading all around you. Only then will you have unconditional trust in existence. So the way ahead for each one of us is inescapable. A journey, as Osho reveals, which can be the most delightful voyage there is. Relax into your being. You are cherished by the whole. That's why the whole goes on breathing in you, pulsating in you. Once you start feeling this tremendous respect and love and trust of the whole in you, you will start growing roots into your being. You will trust yourself. And only then, you can trust me. Only then you can trust your friends, your, fr your children, your husband, your wife. Only then you can trust the trees and the animals and the, and the stars and the moon. Then one simply lives as, then one simply lives as trust. It is no longer a question of trusting this or that. One simply trusts. Time to start reading this book, John Andrews. John Andrews is an author, scientist, and meditator who was Osho's personal physician, taking care of his body for many years, including the last days. As a meditator and a scientist for many decades, John Andrews has enjoyed following the gradual acceptance of meditation by the scientific community as it turns into the current flood of interest. He now writes about the final step of that journey from meditation to Osho meditations. Trust. Prologue. 
This is it. The distinction is very subtle, but it is the same distinction as there is between the mind and the heart, as there is between logic and love, or even more appropriate, as there is between prose and poetry. A destination. A destination is a very clear cut thing. Direction is very intuitive. A destination is something outside you, more like a thing. A direction is an inner feeling, not an object, but your very subjectivity. You can feel direction. You cannot know it. You can know the destination. You cannot feel it. Destination is in the future. Once decided, you start manipulating your life toward it, steering your life toward it. How can you decide the future? Who are you to decide the unknown? How is it possible to fix the future? Future is that which is not yet known. Future is an open possibility. By fixing a destination, your future is no longer a future because it is no longer open. Now you have chosen one alternative out of many because when all the alternatives were open, it was future. Now all alternatives have been dropped, only one alternative has been chosen. It is no longer future, it is your past. The past decides when you decide a destination. Your experience of the past, your knowledge of the past decides. You kill the future, then you go on repeating your own past, maybe a little modified, a little changed here and there according to your comfort or your convenience, repainted. Renovated, but still it comes out of the past. This is the way one loses track of future. By deciding a destination, one loses track of future. One becomes dead. One starts functioning like a mechanism. Direction is something alive in the moment if it knows something of the future. It knows nothing of the future. It knows nothing of the past. But it throbs. It pulsates. But here now, and out of this pulsating moment, the next moment is created. Not by any decision on your part, but just because you live this moment and you live it so totally. And you love this moment so whole, so holy. Out of this wholeness, the next moment is born. It is going to have a direction. That direction is not given by you. It is not imposed by you. It is spontaneous. That's what the Buddha, no, that's what the bulls in India call Shahaj. Manush, Manush, the spontaneous man. 
The spontaneous man is the way to be. The spontaneous man is the way to the real man, to the essential man, to the God within. You cannot decide the direction. You can only live this moment that is available to you. By living it, direction arises. If you dance, the next moment is going to be of a deeper dance. Not that you decide, but you simply dance this moment. You have created a direction. You are not manipulating it. The next moment will be more full of dancing, and still more will be following. Destination is fixed by the mind, direction is earned by living. Destination is logical. One wants to be a doctor, one wants to be an engineer, one wants to be a scientist, or one wants to be a politician. One wants to be a rich man, a famous man. These are destination. Direction? One simply lives the moment in deep trust that life will decide. One lives this moment so totally that out of this totality, a freshness is born. Out of this totality, the past dissolves and the future starts taking shape. But this shape is not given by you. This shape is earned by you. One Zen master, Rinzai, was dying. He was on his deathbed. Somebody asked, Master, people will ask after you are gone. What was your essential teaching? You've said many things. You have talked about many things. It will be difficult for us to condense it. Before you leave, please, you yourself condense it into a single sentence so we can treasure it. And whenever people who have not known you desire, you can give them your essential teaching. And whenever people who have not known you desire, we can give them your essential teaching. Dying Rinzai opened his eyes. Give a great Zen shout. A lion's roar. They were all shocked. They couldn't believe that this dying man could have so much energy, and they were not expecting it. The man was unpredictable. He had always been so. But even with this unpredictable man, they were not in any way expecting that dying at the last moment he would give such a lion's roar. And when they were shocked, and of course their minds stopped, they were surprised, taken aback. Rinzai said, That's this is it. Closed his eyes and died. This is it. This moment, this silent moment, this moment uncorrupted by thought, this silent that was all around, this surprise, this last lion's roar over death, this is it. Yes, direction comes out of living this moment.
It is not something that you manage and plan. It happens. It is very subtle. And you will never be certain about it. You can only feel it. That's why I say it is more like poetry. It, it, is, like, it is more like poetry, not like prose. More like love, not, more like love, not like logic. More like art than science, than like science. Vague, and that's its beauty. Hesitant, as hesitant as a dewdrop on a blade of grass. Slipping, not knowing where, not knowing why, in the morning sun. Just slipping on a blade of grass. Direction is very subtle, delicate, fragile. That's why everybody has chosen direct destination. Direction is very subtle, delicate, fragile. That's why everybody has chosen destination. Society tries to fix the destination for you. Parents, teachers, culture, religion, government. They all try to give you a fixed pattern of life. They don't want you to be free, left alone, moving into the unknown. But that's how they have created boredom. If you know your future boredom, it is already boring. If you know your future beforehand, it is already boring. If you know your future beforehand, it is already boring. If you know that you are going to be this, it is already boring. Future should be a direction, not a destination. It should be a more like nirvana. The word Buddha uses means. The word Buddha uses means. All that you know will not be there. That's his definition of nirvana. All that you know will not be there. All that you have experienced will not be there. All that you are will not be there. Something totally new. Something that you cannot understand because you don't have the language to understand it. You don't have the experience to understand it. Something absolutely new. It cannot be talked about. Nirvana is a direction. Fathers and paradise. Mohammedan and Christian are destinations. Very clear cut. The mediocre mind demands clear cut goals because he is so insecure. He cannot trust his own awareness and he cannot trust life. The mediocre mind is very afraid of di- discovery, and discovery is the greatest secret in life. To be ready to be surprised, to be always ready to be surprised, means that one is innocent, trying to discover. And life is such that you can go on discovering. The more you discover it, the more you come to know. That much more is still left. It is a non ending process. Direction is a non ending process. Remember, it is a process. 
movement. Destination is a dead thing. Destination belongs to the ego. Direction belongs to life, to being. To move in the world of direction, one needs tremendous trust. Because one is moving in insecurity, one is moving in darkness. But the darkness has a thrill in it. Without any map, without any guide, you are moving into the unknown. Each step is a discovery, and it is not only a discovery of the outside world, simultaneously, something is discovered in you also. A discovery. A discoverer not only discovers things, as he goes on discovering more and more unknown worlds, he goes on discovering himself also. Simultaneously, each discovery is also an inner discovery. The more you know, the more you know about the knower. The more you love, the more you know about the lover. I'm not going to give you a destination. I can only give you a direction, awake, throbbing with life in the unknown, always surprising, unpredictable. I'm not going to give you a map. I can give you only a great passion to discovery. Yes, a map is not needed. Great passion. Great desire to discover is needed. Then I leave you alone. Then you go on your own. Then you go on your own. Move into the vast, into the infinite. And by and by, learn to trust it. Leave yourself in the hands of life because life is God. Leave yourself. In the hands of life, because life is God. When Jesus says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, he is saying this a great trust. Even if God brings death, there is nothing to be afraid of. It is he who is bringing death. So there must be a reason in it. There must be a hidden secret in it. There must be a teaching in it. He's opening a door. The man who trusts, the man who is religious, is thrilled, even at the gate of death. He can give a lion's roar,、uh, even dying, because he knows nothing dies. Because he knows nothing dies. At the very moment of death, he can say, This is it. Because each moment, this is it. It may be life, it may be death, it may be success, it may be failure, it may be happiness, it may be unhappiness. Each moment, this is it. This is what I call the real prayer. And then you will have distraction. You need not worry about it. You need not fix it. You can move with trust. Amazing.